Hawks get a wire-to-wire win against the Utah Jazz on John Collins' return to State Farm Arena, 124-97. to Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am your host, Tim Ogles, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey Kabrinsky, where we talk everything Hawks. Let's go! All right, Mikey, um, going into this one, man, uh, this one... Uh, was definitely a, a struggle offensively, definitely in the first half. But this game was a defensive game, and the Atlanta Hawks came to work. Uh, I thought they played phenomenally defensively. Um, there was some really great moments in this game by Kobe Bufkin, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella. Um, you could go through the whole roster. I felt like there was great moments for Sadiq Bay defensively, definitely at the be- beginning of the game. Um, I-, I think this is a good wire-to-wire win for the Hawks and, and something they could, you know, really build some momentum in and carry it into Brooklyn. Yeah, and it was really encouraging for them to hold this Utah Jazz team under 100 points. Obviously, the Jazz aren't the, aren't the greatest offensive team and when you don't when you when you don't have a good offensive team, you want to come to work, do your job, and hold them to to a low scoring game. And that is what the Hawks were able to do. At Utah, I mean, we'll, we'll, when we go into the game, we'll talk about it more. But Utah really struggled out of the gate in this game and didn't really have any momentum except for you know they made one large run uh, in the second half. But by the time the beginning of the fourth quarter strolled around, this game was pretty much over. The Hawks defense really. Uh, had Utah guessing pretty pretty much all night. Something, uh, a stat I wanted to bring up um, from Hawks PR is the Hawks held the Utah Jazz to 97 points tonight, making it the first time since 2021 the club has held opponents less than 100 points in back-to-back games, those games being Orlando and Houston in 2021. Um, that's a good sign. Definitely defensively for the Hawks. Um, I know that uh, Dealey asked Quinn Snyder uh, a question uh, in his post game uh, about the Hawks covering backside cuts on the weak side, and um, I, I thought that you know his answer was great. It was you know talking about the guys being able to see the screener more uh, during the rotations. And that's helped them be able to recover and cover that backdoor screen or that backdoor cut. So, um, that I I thought ultimately, man, um, this defense as, as of these last couple of nights have really, um, you know, kind of brought the work and really, you know, put, put the Hawks on their back, uh, uh, as we'll go over offensively, um, going into this one. I thought the Hawks, you know, still struggled to start out um, going into the first. Um, Bogey 
throws a lob to Clint Capella. And I wanted to ask your opinion of this. And I, I try not to get on to Clint too, too much because um, he is coming back from an abductor strain. And that's, you know, that's kind of a hard injury to come back from. But um, he just, <laughs> he can't hang on to it. What was your opinion on that? You know, like, it, it kind of seemed like Clint was ready for it. But when he tried to kind of get that bounce that he normally does on some of these alley-oops, it just looked like he didn't have his legs under him really uh, for that particular possession. But uh, it, overall, these past few games since he's come back, he just hasn't looked like himself. As far as you know, rebounding-wise, even just contesting shots at the rim, he hasn't really looked like himself. But after the first half, I felt like in the second half, he really he really picked it up and, and got back to his old self, you know, blocking shots at the rim, also getting up for a couple of alley-oops. That was nice to see. Um, both teams really struggled out of the gate in this one offensively. Uh, neither team scored for the first two and a half minutes before DeJounte Murray intercepted a dribble handoff, and then he hits Capella on the break for the first points of the game. And the Hawks actually got out to a 9-0 start uh, against the Jazz before they called their first timeout. On that dribble handoff, I was screaming in the stands. Me and Mikey both were in attendance tonight. Um, I was screaming in the stands. I thought it was a horrible pass. Like, I thought DeJounte should have just went up with it besides dumping it off. Like, I was just like, this is a recipe for disaster. But luckily, Clint gathered it up under the rim and finished it off. But, man, that was – it was a rough one to watch for sure. Yeah, um, I thought DeJounte was going to go up for it as well. Uh, but during this timeout, I do, do want to go over one through real quickly because the Hawks played their John Collins tribute video uh, during this first timeout, as a lot of NBA teams have done uh, over the past few years. They're playing that video during the game. I thought the Hawks did a great job uh, with the video tribute. Obviously, the fans, JC had a great reception coming back to State Farm Arena. And it, when when the video tribute was over, everybody gave, gave him a standing ovation. He was throwing heart signs back out to the crowd. Like, you, you could tell that a lot of people really miss JC, as especially the person that he is. Yeah, for for JC, man, um, it, it was uh, it's kind of like a surreal moment because you don't like seeing him in a Utah Jazz jersey, but you also understand that it's basketball, and you know things just weren't going to work out the best here in Atlanta for him. And as I said, I, I've I've always said this and i wish jc jc the best success just not against the hawks and he didn't have much success tonight against the hawks but um i thought the hawks fans the kia six man section um i thought everybody did a great job of making john feel welcome and you know really showing that love to him because jc did you know play he played hurt here he you know, he put it all on the line for the Hawks for uh, many years, and uh, I just wanted to make sure he was—he knows that he's appreciated for me. Yep. And coming back into this game, the Jazz actually didn't score for the first five minutes of the game. Uh, the Hawks' defense really had them unlocked, and the Jazz were turning the ball over so much. I mean, uh, they had six turnovers in the first eight minutes. That's that's really crazy. I mean, there's credit to the Hawks defense there for sure, but a couple of the, the passes that they threw just didn't make sense at all. Something that, speaking of John Collins, he had two early um, 
mishandles, you know, one off uh, spin, like, a, you know, how JC gets in the post and he spins off. Um, both of them live ball, like right in the middle of the floor, um, you know, leads to Hawks buckets. Sexton gets to the floater right at that five minute left mark and makes it 12 to two. But go ahead. Oh, I was gonna, yeah. The the Hawks really should have been up more in this game, honestly, but they had that slow offensive start for themselves. They were only up 17 to 11 uh, just because of their own rough offensive start. They just couldn't get shots to fall, especially in those first three three minutes of the game. And it, re- it kind of felt like the Jazz were one of those teams where they could, okay, can we get out of this offensive rut and then stay and get back get back in the game long enough when the Hawks were struggling offensively. Uh, but fortunately for the Hawks, they figured it out on offense before the Jazz ever got that kind of momentum. Something something that was really interesting in this game was Walker Kessler. Um, did you believe, like, if I told you that Walker Kessler was coming off the bench, which we know they start John Collins, would you believe that he played 30 minutes in this game? Um, it, it's wild. His minutes have been a roller coaster all season for, for Will Hardy and the Jazz, honestly. You don't know how many minutes he's getting. Since they traded Simone Fontecchio to the Pistons, he's been getting a little bit more playing time. But, yeah, 30 minutes off the bench. And also, JC wasn't playing well, so that might have contributed to it a little bit. But 30 minutes off the bench is, is encouraging because he had a great rookie year, flashed a ton of things, and then this year has just kind of been a little bit subdued in, in the rotation. Yeah, so for for Kessler, he ends up getting a couple rebounds over Bruno. Um, but then Bruno gets back-to-back second-chance points over Kessler, making it 26-18 to 18 after the first quarter. The Atlanta Hawks only shot five threes in the first quarter. That is quite concerning. Yeah, and... I think just naturally the Hawks will take less threes, especially without Trey Young there. And he just is going to generate a lot more open threes because of his ability to get to the rim. The way he gets downhill and and the, how much pressure he puts uh, in, in the paint, teams have to suck in their defense to try to limit his uh, ability to finish there and, and kick out for an open threes. Now, DeJounte can't, can't run the same – uh, offensive system that Trey does, so it will have to change a little bit. But I just think naturally, without Trey, the Hawks will take a little bit less volume of threes. Do you think the the Jazz having uh, – I know Keontae George is a rookie, and he, he's getting good playing time, and he's still learning, but do you think them having poor – well, just poor guard play um, – hurts them a lot because I've seen I've seen tonight where John Collins we know he's best one of the best role men in the NBA like there's all there is to it like he him in the pick and roll if you could throw a lob John's dunking it and there was countless roles in this game where John has Clint beat getting to the rim and there's no pass getting there so I felt like those guys just really struggle in the passing category yeah, for sure. I mean, in my in my eyes, Colin Sexton and Keontae George, both of them are more shooting guards for sure. And you could see that 
they just don't they just didn't have the the playmaking, especially what Trey did when JC was here. But uh yeah, I, I think it definitely hurts him as far as just his offensive production consistency was. And and I think the Hawks took advantage of uh the, the Jazz struggling right there on offense with with how aggressive their defense was. Something speaking of defense, there there are two guys that completely locked up Jordan Clarkson in the second quarter, and that is Kobe Bufkin and DeAndre Hunter. Kobe Bufkin had a nasty block on a fast break chase down on Jordan Clarkson. Um, his flashes on defense, man, uh, throughout this game, whether it was sliding his feet, um, it's just his burst that he has on the defensive end is I don't know if we've seen a Hawks guard have that um, as of lately. Like, yeah. I mean, DeJounte has flashes and, and we've, we've talked about it where DeJounte gets pissed off most of the time. And then he has those flashes where he really locks in, but it just seems like Kobe's locked in as soon as the ball touches the floor and man, <laughs> I, I, I don't like singing praises about a rookie this early, but man, what I've seen has been phenomenal so far. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Hawks defense, like I mentioned before, it was really just keeping them in it. The offense was kind of stagnant at times, but again, Quinn Snyder making the adjustment goes to Jalen Johnson at center. And, and honestly, this was against Walker Kessler when when the when the Jazz had that sep, had a seven footer in there. I think the Hawks still still did pretty well, um, but like I said, this was a pretty ugly game. Or early on, nine turnovers for the Jazz already midway through the second quarter, seven for the Hawks. Um, but I, I thought Jalen Johnson at center, he was able to do a lot of playmaking as well, kind of get anywhere he wanted to the floor on the floor. Obviously, Kessler not being as mobile as some of. Uh, the centers and, and the wings JJ normally uh, goes up against, but I thought he was able to play make and kind of get anywhere he wanted on the floor during that run, not necessarily in the paint, but kind of affecting the game in other areas. You kind of ended off the second quarter and going into halftime on a beautiful bogey three as the clock expires, making it 55 44. Now, Something I wanted to bring up, this is the lowest scoring half the Hawks have allowed all season long, 44 points. Love it. We know the Jazz aren't the best team in the West. They're not one of the best teams in the NBA. But does this build confidence in the Hawks' defense moving forward? Yes, it does. Because uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, you took care of business against a subpar offensive team. And when you when you have those wins where you say, okay, we did our job tonight, that gives you more confidence that you can come out and do that more often than not. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like it's one of those things where if, if you're – something I always like to say is defense travels. Like sometimes you're going to have bad offensive nights, but your defense is always going to be there because defense is majority effort. And tonight you saw the effort from all eight, eight or nine guys that played tonight. Um, you saw all the effort, like it, every guy 
was locked in. But one one thing that I love seeing that we don't get to see much with Trey Young is DeJounte Murray and Kobe Bufkin on the floor at the same time switching at the top where there was zero hesitation in the switches. There was nothing. And that's that's just something I like to see. It was awesome because you don't get those uh, prominent minutes with two you know, good defenders up top where it doesn't matter who's guarding who you feel like defensively you have an advantage. Yeah, to start the second half, DeJounte, after a, after a slow first half, he gets a three off. That's a good sign. Uh, but the Jazz end up scoring the next 12 points after that. Bogey, Bogey hit another three after that run to kind of stabilize it a bit, but the Jazz end up cutting the lead to 50, uh, to 63-56. And like I said, the Jazz did that for a little bit, but this was really the only time in the game where I felt like the Hawks were in some quote-unquote trouble, uh, and, and it still was a seven-point lead. Uh, but the most encouraging thing for me in the second half was Clint Capella. And he, he, had, he had a couple plays where, you know, he had two blocks on John Collins. He he had a dunk at the rim. The the way he was able to lift off the ground and kind of get that burst back that you hadn't seen in a few games from him, definitely encouraging moving on to the future here. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the Hawks keeping the lead at double digits kind of made everybody relax a little bit. Uh, DeAndre came in. Um, later in the third and like this unit, it, it was, it was Kobe, Bogey, DeAndre, Jalen at the five and Sadiq. I felt like once that unit was set in the third, the Hawks just hit the gas pedal because they weren't worried about anything at the rim. They were closing out on everything shot outside and you know, that's where the Hawks just kind of extended that lead out to 89-69. It was just one of those things where that unit was, they were kind of dominant. Like, it was great defense. The offense wasn't probably the best it could be, but they were still finding ways to score, and you could create separation as long as you're playing defense. Yeah, and – I thought Jalen really took over at the end of this third quarter from, from both ends as far as a playmaking standpoint, scoring standpoint. I mean, his defense, uh, pretty much every Hawks defense, I, th- I thought was pretty good tonight. And you know, he had an alley-oop to Bruno as well, who threw it down at the end of the quarter here, ha- having a nice sequence there. And Bruno, Bruno, I thought, brought the energy again uh, throughout most of his playing time too. So really, you know, we're, we're going to highlight, obviously, uh, a lot of players on this podcast, but it seemed like a lot. Every guy who touched the floor tonight in a rotation for the Hawks contributed something positive to this win. Even Garrison Matthews, he had a charge in in this game where I see I saw nothing but feet up in the air on Colin Sexton, and I was like, man, like it was everybody was bought in this game, every single player. Yeah, I forgot to mention that in the in the, in the first half, Colin Sexton. He had a couple of fast breaks in this game where it just looked like he was out of control. And, and that happens a lot. I mean, Colin Sexton, he does play at a fast pace. Uh, when he gets going, he can be dangerous. But uh, he does play kind of out of control a little bit. And I think tonight uh, we saw that in, in the full court. Going into the fourth, Kobe Bufkin had a couple really nice passes. 
Um, and then you have back-to-back threes from DeAndre and Bogey, um, making it 97 to 76. I felt like in this stretch of the fourth, DeAndre and Bogey just kind of carried the ship. Like, I think DeAndre had five straight. Then Bogey had, had I want to say, he hit the three and then had like a floater or something. And I felt like after that, it was just kind of kind of the dagger into it. I mean, one, one, one thing I did want to highlight is John Collins did have a really good dunk uh, in the fourth quarter at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, you know, it was one of those things where it was nice to see JC dunk the ball again at State Farm Arena. Yeah, you knew you knew he he couldn't leave the game without getting one alley oop. It was on a it was on that fast break, but like we mentioned before, in the half court, it really didn't seem like JC uh, had a lot to his had a lot to his game. Obviously, that you know we, we mentioned the the point guard struggles of the Jazz earlier, and that has a lot to do with it. But the Hawks went on a seven two run right after that bogey and Dre three sequence, ballooned the lead to one hundred four seventy eight, and then. After that, it was pretty much over. But there is one more sequence that we got to highlight because, again, Kobe Bufkin, we've, we've said it multiple times now, but the defensive flashes he's seen at like consistently is just really good. He locks up Jordan Clarkson, forces a jump ball on him in a one-on-one ISO defending situation. And you just love to see that, especially from, from a rookie and a guy that spent so much time down in the G League developing. Many fans wanted to see him when he – well, he's here now, and he's really, really looking good. One thing I want to see from Kobe is less hesitation shooting the ball. But, you know, that's me being nitpicky. Like, uh, I think that um, everything that he's shown so far has been phenomenal, definitely on the defensive side. Um, But, you know, me being a little nitpicky, I think, you know, a little less hesitation shooting the ball, which he did end up hitting a three uh, to end off this uh, fourth quarter. But, uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was great to see just Kobe getting valuable minutes. Uh, me and you've talked about his development and how we we hoped whenever we did our little mini player capsules uh, right after the um, right after the All Star oh. break. To, yeah, All Star break just to kind of give out what our expectations were and Kobe getting minutes was something me and you both wanted to see. And we're seeing it now. And man, I I love seeing them so far. Yeah, for sure. As we move on to the box score, we will start with Garrison Matthews, 17 minutes, two of four from the field, two of three from deep, five rebounds, one assist, one steal, six points. I thought Garrison was pretty good. Obviously, uh, like we said earlier, drew that, drew that charge. Like he's like, he's known for, and I, I think it's his three-point shooting will actually be really, really key, especially without Trey because of that, just the volume that he puts up in the limited minutes he plays. I think it'll be important for the Hawks offense. I thought Garrison was pretty good in this game. Um, moving to Bruno Fernando, 18 minutes, 4-4 four four from the field, 0-4-0 from deep, of course. Um, three rebounds, one assist. Eight points. I thought Bruno was, to be honest with you, really, really good in this game. I thought that he was high energy. Um, I, I, I'm still impressed with uh, his ball, his ball skills um, up, you know, down low. And 
hopefully we we see a little bit more Bruno because uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Yeah, one if there is anything uh, for Bruno over the past few games, it, it is the rebounding. He's had pretty low rebounding numbers, uh, but but as far as as far as offensively, I think what he's contributed is, is really good. For Kobe Bufkin, 21 minutes, three of seven from the field, one of two from downtown, two rebounds, five assists, two steals, zero turnovers, seven points. And I thought Kobe played really well. You'd love to see that five assists, zero turnovers. The two steals are really nice. And that's something that um, I, I've heard a couple when, when the Hawks drafted him. I, I read a couple of pieces that said, you know, Kobe Bufkin's a guy that can really contribute across the board as far as the box score. And he did that here for sure. His, his assist to me um, was kind of one of those things that was not talked about as much, his passing skills. And I, I thought that, you know, once again, he, he played phenomenal tonight. Moving to DeAndre Hunter, 28 minutes, 6 of 10 from the field, 1 of 3 from deep, 7 of 9 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 1 block, 20 points. DeAndre Hunter off the bench keeps keeps the uh, 20 point streak alive and keeps uh, you know balling out like he he's been phenomenal off the bench. Yeah, he there's nothing to say that the train keeps going. He's he's tearing it up right now. Uh, let's move on to the starters here. Clint Capella in 25 minutes, four of nine from the field, one of two from the free throw line, 13 rebounds, one steal, three blocks, nine points. It was a tail of two halves for Clint Capella for sure, but that second half was really good, really encouraging uh, that he's finally uh, kind of getting his legs under him and getting him back used to the Clint Capella that uh, we know can be uh, a pretty good defensive anchor. Moving to Sadiq Bay, 30 minutes, 4-11 from the field, 2 of 6 from deep, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 16 points. I thought Sadiq played a pretty good game. Now, one critique that I have for Sadiq is I think Sadiq needs to start staying out of the mid-range a little bit more. Um, I think that um, something I'd like to see is it be a three or it be at the rim. Um, his mid-range shot uh, since the beginning of the season has plummeted since the beginning of the season. So, Hopefully that uh, we see less mid-rangers and more getting to the rim and three-pointers for him. Moving on to Bogdan Bogdanovich. 33 minutes, 7 of 15 from the field, 3 of 8 from deep, 2 of 2 from the line, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 19 points. Bogdan Bogdanovich was really good in this game. I thought, uh, especially when you contribute across the board like he did, uh, you know, the four turnovers are, are a bit much, and the Hawks did turn the ball over a lot. But um, he shot it efficiently, and his three-point volume, like I mentioned about Garrison Matthews, uh, will be huge, huge without Trey. And hopefully he he kind of keeps it, keeps it as, uh, at a decent efficiency level for sure. The the best thing I saw from Bogey tonight was him getting a block on Laurie Markkinen, a yeah, seven-footer. <laughs> it was it was awesome to watch. Um, moving to Dejounte Murray, thirty-two minutes, seven of nineteen from the field, one of six from deep, two of two from the free throw line, eleven assists, four rebounds, one steal, two blocks, seventeen points, 
I thought DJ um, struggled in this game. I mean, I thought that he did a really good job being a facilitator in this game, but shooting the ball, he definitely struggled. Um, defensively, I thought he was fine. Um, he did a really good job facilitating, uh, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do want to highlight that a little bit more, that facilitating, because DeJounte, uh, he was finding Jalen Johnson for some po pocket passes in there. Jalen did his thing off, off that role, and that's really good to see because – uh, DeJounte and Jalen haven't really played a ton of minutes together, and especially uh, DeJounte with Capella as well. It was good to see him connect with Clint on, on some possessions as well. That That's really key for this stretch overall That where the Hawks aren't going to be without Trey for, for pretty much a month at least. And we move on to the player of the game, Jalen Johnson. 35 minutes, 9 of 14 from the field, 2 of 4 from deep, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 22 points. You love to see that 9 of 14 efficiency. And Jalen in this game, I think this was one of those games where you just saw the, kind of like the total package of what he can do uh, in all assets of the game. The turnovers are a bit much, uh, five turnovers there to six assists. Uh, but like I said, everything else from Jalen was pretty much really good in this game. All right, Mikey. So we're going to go into the three keys for the Brooklyn Nets, who the Hawks take on Thursday in Brooklyn at 730. The first key going into this one is do not double team Mikael Bridges and take your focus off of the other players. Because whenever you do that and you allow those other players to go off and beat you, that's going to be a mistake. If you let Mikel just get his and stop the other guys, the Hawks will find a way to win this game. Yeah, uh, yeah, Mikel obviously not not the greatest number one option, and he has struggled with efficiency as of late. Um, but if the Hawks can kind of limit what the other guys around him do, uh, I think they should put themselves in a good position. Number two, offensive rebound. This is something the Hawks on paper really, really good at, something the Nets are, are not that great at. And if they can, like I said before in this game, handle the business, handle uh, a category which they should win, uh, that should bode well for them. Number three is keep up the bench production. DeAndre Hunter has been pivotal for this team offensively and defensively with the production off the bench. Can he keep it up against a Brooklyn team that he has had a bunch of success against? Um, that, that That's one of my key things. And Garrison Matthews as well, um, Bruno Fernando, can they make the most out of their minutes? Kobe Bufkin as well, of course. Yeah, I, I, all four of the bench guys – have been really good lately. Let's see if they can do it again. And let's see if the Hawks can stretch it to three wins in a row. And that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at Pinwizard 300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.